Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson. This is a very exciting episode because we have fantastic news I can't wait to tell you guys about. Um, Our guest to tell us about it is Dr. Sean Carey from the Spitzer Space Center. Science. Science Center. (laughs) He got the name right. He got the name right. (laughs) But he got the job wrong. (laughs) very close. The acronym was good, though. You would have had the same acronym. Just say Spitzer Science Center. uh, Just just say Sean Carey, science. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll put it together in post. Uh, (laughs) This week is so exciting because uh, a lot of you probably already seen this in the news. Uh, NASA made a major discovery and as soon as I heard that there was a that they, it was leaked that there was going to be a discovery, I immediately contacted a previous friend, uh, Peter Plachin, who also stuck these exoplanets, which is all they would say about it in the news that it was th- this hint. So, and he led me to you, and then we got to see your uh, announcement about these seven new planets. Mm. That have been discovered very close, and so welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, I didn't want to steal too much of the thunder of the story, so why don't you oh, tell okay. us so, your version? So, so, so yeah, what, what we found was that um, there are seven rocky Earth-sized planets around a very nearby star. And when I say nearby, it's 40 light years away, so we're not driving to it anytime soon. But it's close enough that we can study these uh, planets in detail. What's, uh, it gets, and it keeps getting on more interesting. So three of the planets are at the distance from their star. So let me back up for a second. So this star isn't like the sun. It's a much cooler, smaller star called an ultra-cool dwarf, okay, which the interesting thing about those is there's many more of those stars than there are solar-type stars in the universe. So most of the stars actually are much cooler than the sun. But so. th- they're actually dim, though, right? Yeah. I mean, is this a major re- problem? Is like... This star is really, really close by star standards. I mean, when you look in the night sky, the vast majority of them are not forty within 40 light years. Right. And yet, this one, uh, you know, I don't think you can see with your naked eye, There's, right? there's I mean, no way. Like, you, you totally can't see that with the naked it, eye. It, yeah. That happened mm. when we had um, uh, Jesse Christensen about the, the, the actual nearest planet that's uh, about 10 times closer than these around Proxima Centauri, Proxima Centauri and yeah. that one, you know, I saw, you can see a picture of it, you can't even, it's a barely a little dot next to the Alpha Centauri planets. Yeah, so, so I mean, the, the host star's totally invisible to us with the naked eye, right? So, oh, so, so it's a star that's really common, and then three of the planets in the system are at a distance from the star where it's quite likely that there'd be liquid water on their surface based mm. on the temperature we infer just by the amount of radiation from the star, which of course is much smaller than the output from the sun, and the fact that they're in close enough that they would be heated to the right temperatures that they could have liquid water. And like you said, yeah, the star is much cooler. So these planets orbit much closer to their star than any planet in the solar system. They're actually all, if you were to plop down the system into our system, all the orbits are inside of Mercury's orbit. Even the most distant planet in their wow. system is it, so that we know about is inside Mercury's orbit. The, it's almost like closer to like Jupiter and its moons. Yeah, scale yeah, almost. that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, it's only it's like more of a puffed out Jupiter system, right, with the Galilean moons. If if you like, kind of just blew that up just a little bit more, and the star is not much bigger than Jupiter. It's more massive, and of course, it's warmer because it is a star instead of a planet or, or a brown dwarf. But yeah, it's it's about the same size as Jupiter. So, 
that's cool because that makes it easier to detect. That's ultra cool. Yeah, it's an ultra cool. Yeah. Ultra, ultra, ultra cool, cool dwarf. <laughs> yeah. That's Peter Dinklage's nickname. Oh, hey, that's y'all. good. Hey guys, that's uh, good. this is Jimmy Oyang, and we also have Griff Pippen on the show today. I forgot to introduce and we also you guys. have special guest hamburgers and hot dogs. Yep. <laughs> Where'd you get the dogs from? Uh, it's from this place called Lucky Boy. Uh, oh yeah, that's good. it's that's really good. good. That's really good. I miss yeah. these like old school good. diners. That They're is way better. That is yeah. very popular with today. the students here. Kids these sure. days, ultra cool do? diner. Yeah, yeah. I, a friend of mine I went to school with. He <laughs> lived off of Lucky Boy. Like he would mm. just every meal. But he was, lived. Oh. He lived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive. No, he was, and he, and he was okay. like he was thin and and active. Like he just burns. He's like. Did you despise him for that? No, he's a cool guy. Your tone told me differently, but that's okay. Is the ultra cool though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, what so scientifically cool. is the de- definition of ultra cool? So ultra cool is about half the temperature of the sun. There are spectral types, so you probably know this. They're M five or later. This one's actually an M eight dwarf, so it's about as small and as cold as you can get and still be a star. So what temperature are we talking about? I think, there, it's, uh, I think it's like twenty five hundred Kelvin. We'd have so to Google to, it to be sure. Though. So just to clarify, I work with ultra cold <laughs> neutrons, <laughs> also called ultra cold neutrons. Very different definition of ultra cold. There, it's one uh, one thousandth of a degree Kelvin, and this is two thousand five hundred degrees Ooh. Kelvin. What, what, what's Celsius or Fahrenheit? Yeah. Is that? How so, much hotter is lo- than it lava? Oh, uh, lava is about half as hot as that. So uh, lava, double lava star. Yeah, it's double lava. So double lava is, stars. <laughs> so this is super love, hot. Yeah. Why do we call it ultra cool? Because the stars, go, the stars are really hot, right? <laughs> okay. How much hotter oh. are some stars more hotter than the, so hotter there's, than there's, the sun? There's, Our sun? There are stars that are four or five times as hot as the ultra cool dwarfs, right? And they put out, you know, compared to our sun, the largest stars put out a million times more uh, light. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, this is a pretty wimpy Whoa. star, and most of the stars are pretty wimpy, the ultra-cool dwarfs. But they're slow burn, right? I don't actually know that much about stars. No, no, so, you're, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, they're slow burn, kinda, so, you know. Kind of like your act. That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it was but a, it's because it was relative. a slow, yeah. right? <laughs> a slow like burn. Ultra cool, it's even though it's relative. super hot. It's like, Griff is the ultra cool comedian in an ultra <laughs> shitty open mic. <laughs> I think it's those fries, probably. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Jimmy's in like eight movies now, so he can just. I, I just say whatever the fuck I want. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. It's, it's the math on it. So there, there are stars, and we've discovered stars out there that are, are you know, way, way, way hot. I mean, how much further are some of these stars that are way hotter than ours? I, I mean, there's stars in other galaxies that we can, with the Hubble Space Telescope and things like that, actually, you know, see individual stars that aren't too crowded. So, um, I mean, there's lots of stars that are way hotter. The interesting thing with the ultra-cool dwarfs is... M-type stars, so are the ultra-cool dwarfs and things that are a little bit warmer, so it's all kind of nuanced, right? They make up about 70% of all stars in the universe. So, you know, most of the most of the stars aren't as hot as our sun, right? So if you're, you're meeting aliens, you could say, you know, my star is probably hotter than yours and be right, you know, nice. most of the time. So. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, do we actually know for sure how many uh, ultra-cool dwarfs are that close? I mean, are we still discovering the stars themselves or... Or do we have do we have all, that whole sphere of stars mapped out? So I, I think we have most of the ultra cool dwarfs nearby. Let's say you know with the two hundred nearest ones all found out. 
One of the things we're missing is things that are even cooler than the ultra-cool stars, which are brown dwarfs. So they're between Jupiter and the ultra-cool dwarfs, and they just don't have enough mass to turn on and uh, fuse hydrogen, right? So they, they fuse a little deuterium, and that's about it. So and those are still being discovered, actually. There's like the Wise Space Telescope, which is flying around, and that's still making new detections of things that are closer than TRAPPIST, this is the star we're talking about. It's called TRAPPIST-1 by the, the guys who initially did the discovery of planets around it because they're all Belgian and they like to drink beer. Yeah, I was about to say, they named it after beer, which yeah, is the they, coolest yeah. thing ever. Yeah, it's a clever no, way to do it. Guys, like, yeah. they, it. It's an acronym, though, right? It is. It's, well, uh, you're right. So, right, so, they, they, so they're really smart, right, because they came up with an acronym that fit into the beers goodness. they drank, right? Yeah. It's a French it? acronym. Yeah. 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 But, but, no, but, no, but it's an English acronym. They didn't use any French words. Oh, So for the Belgians, I mean, that's a higher degree of difficulty. Wow. Stella Atois is named after a star, right? According to the commercial. Oh. The guy looked up at a star and he was like, this is really good. Name it after Stella. Stella Artois. That's a really good <laughs> really accent, good. by That's the way. Yeah. 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 Your next role is going to be a Belgian dude. <laughs> it didn't did sound like Jin Yang at all. <laughs> the funny thing is they contacted the monks, the Trappist monks, who, you know, they brew some of the beer and, the, and said, hey, you know, we named this telescope. We're searching for uh, extrasolar planets. And they thought they'd be excited, but the monks weren't excited. I don't know if that's copyright infringement or what, but they, oh, they were well. kind of upset. So I, I'm sure now they're really annoyed because, you know, that's, their name is associated with planets. Uh-huh. No, seven work, planets around another star. So. Work out a deal with them. They have like a new line of beers named after like each star or something. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Well, that's it. And then so maybe the names of the stars should be named after the beers. So some of the yeah. some of the scientists are trying to promote that. We'll we'll see how that, it goes because yeah, that, the Duvel, that's not the way that doesn't way it work. You know, yeah. we found alien life on the Duvel star on the Duvel planet. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> They found alien life in my duvet cover. Also, yeah. that's a shitty joke. We <laughs> you know, I'm swinging for the fences Whoa, today. You know, I mean, uh, come on, come on, come on. You, yeah, that I'm was a, yeah, that was an ultra uncool joke right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might have been a brown dwarf of jokes uh, right now. <laughs> when you said brown dwarf, me and Griff looked at each other like, yeah. should Thank we you. go there? <laughs> and we decided not to. You know, <laughs> we keep hearing ultra cool dwarf, and I'm like, let's just say Dinklage. It's so much shorter. Yeah, the Dinklage. And that was not a pun intended. So immediately, of course, everybody started blowing up my Twitter feed with and Facebook with uh, you know asking about life and stuff. So I have my own opinions, which I will present at some point. But I wanted to know uh, what you guys think about it—the prospect of life being there. Yeah. And- so, so the prospect of life—you know—the bottom line is we don't know, right? That's that's there's no way for us to tell right now. Uh, possibility, sure. The possibility that there's life around some ultra-cool dwarf I think is excellent. There's so many of those. We know most of these uh, stars have planets around them. If you know a certain number of those systems have as many planets as like TRAPPIST-1, then the chances of life are pretty good. Cool thing about TRAPPIST-1, actually it's the ultra-cool thing, is that in a very short amount of time, we're actually going to be able to look and try to understand what's in the atmospheres of these planets. Okay, we're actually going to be able to see what the gas composition at some level is. And if we stare long enough and we get lucky and there is the present, you know, there's life there, there's a possibility we detect what's called a biosignature. So that's gases in the right abundance that the only way you can get those gases in that abundance in the atmosphere if there's life there screwing up kind of the normal chemistry. You know? You're so basically describing... Panspermia uh, Linnea. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, God. The disappointment on Kevin's <laughs> face. You can't heckle me. Jeez. All right, no. I was going to say, we're just going to edit this in. That's fine. We're going to keep it. Basically describing a, a road trip to a distant show with Griff. 
right there, which is no longer funny. Thanks, Griff. All right. Oh, hey, this oh, is, uh, that this was is a Matthew... super uncool joke, too. No, it, Matthew what, Broussard it in the fine. building. <laughs> this is Matthew Broussard. Hel- welcome, oh, Matthew. Who is you... uh, just about 16 minutes late, but that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm Sean. Hi, Sean. Nice to meet you. What if you, like, clap really loud and you see a bunch of birds scatter? Would that help us discover life on other planets? Is there another way to, like, see them? Like, try and blow one of the planets up and see if there's nope, retaliatory... No, blow it up, just be like, just see if the animals are, like, moving around. Just there. across the yeah. bow. Fire one across the bow. <laughs> you just want to shake them up? No. Yeah. It's a, so, so, I mean, we have an easier way. We just train a bigger telescope at it, right? And we're building mm. one right now, the uh, James Webb Space Telescope, mm-hmm. and it better work. Knock on wood, everybody, because it's a lot of taxpayer dollars. How many taxpayer dollars? Yeah, yeah, half we're, of them. We're looking, yeah, we're looking like eight billion and counting right Jesus. now. Jesus. So. Okay. That's easy. We just cut arts funding. And then we can, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just take out a section of the wall. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I did not know they were that expensive. Okay. Aircraft carrier, you know, it's, yeah, we could do something. It was a it. controversial yeah. project because it was about half the science budget. And wow. So yeah. it was. So a lot of people are like, we, nobody doubted that it would be a good telescope to have. But a lot of people are like, look, you can do Whoa. a lot of other smaller experiments. You could for bomb that. so many more countries with that money. <laughs> That's incredible. I don't think it covers like a, a month. And this is this space money or this is just science uh, the money? Spa- uh, no, it's, it's astronomy money. What's astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. Not astronomy just science money. US in general. Astronomy, astronomy no, money. Yeah, okay. It's a small portion of like the total right, right, money right. in the science for the U.S., Hopefully, still, and small amount of the world's funding for science. Now, but you know what? This telescope's going to be amazing. It's a, yeah. way bigger than Hubble, and Hubble has, I think, blown everyone away with how useful it was. A right. lot so, of discoveries. So I got to give a that. plug, right? So we didn't use Hubble to det- find these planets, right? Because Hubble actually is not the ideal thing, because, like you said before, you know, you can't see the star with your naked eye in visible light because it's so cold. But the star is a thousand times, several thousand times brighter in the infrared. So if you use an infrared telescope like the place I work for, the Spitzer Space Telescope, then it gets really easy to go look for the planets. You know, you're it's like a warm winter like, fire. Yeah. Like the Predator. I can see it in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. probably how it got the funding. That was the main argument. <laughs> that was the pitch. Before Congress is like, look, I know we're going to be ditching a lot of smaller satellites for this, but... And they just hold up we a, a big card of the yeah. Predator plus a telescope. Soul. <laughs> Remember the story of a- Aliens, by the way? How uh, James Cameron sold the movie Aliens? He no. just walked up to a chalkboard in front of a bunch of producers and he wrote Alien on the board. He turns around, smiles, and then he draws an S. And then he turns around again, and then he draws two lines to the S to turn it into a dollar sign. And that's how he got funding for the second Aliens movie. Nice. That's pretty cool. So and you could do... And you know what? He was a physicist, so... You could do that's that for us that. right now of, like, aliens. Yeah, like, we're going to find him. Well, so I'm, I was very... I think it's extremely likely there's alien life on some system like this. So I did some calculations. I'm going to mm. buzz, buzz these past you. One of the we've talked about this on the show before. I'm a huge proponent of, of panspermia, which uh, Griff ruined my joke with by pointing that out. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry to make it uncomfortable, everybody. Uh, so I did some calculation. <laughs> What's really amazing is that even though 40 light years is really far away, it seems impossibly far. It's like trillions and trillions of miles. Um, it, it's we're actually going pretty fast. Like orbital velocity is pretty fast. So like as an example, I calculated how fast, how long it would take. Trillion? What? Four hundred trillion? Something like that. Okay. 
Um, so tr- I said trillions. No, oh, you're right. I yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> half a quadrillion, I guess. Um, what so, did you just say? <laughs> the, like the Earth, it goes really <laughs> fast. Like uh, the Earth goes around the sun. This is a fun conversion. It goes point zero one percent speed of light. So we Whoa. go the, we go light year every ten thousand years. Wow, which is pretty cool. And pretty so impressive. I looked up the speed of like Voyager spacecraft, um, and that can get there in like six hundred thousand years. And what that means is that if you had rocks going back and forth, they can you, they could have done 6,000 round trips to something that's 40, 40, uh, 40 light years away. And you can imagine, like, you know, rocks carry stuff. Mm. You know, they go back and forth. Like, uh, here's another fun calculation I did. Um, you did. You know about tardigrades? Uh Water bears, we've talked about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. survive oh, yeah. like water a bear. If you Google yeah, it, it animals, might yeah. not pop up yeah. at first. There's a billion billion of them on Earth, and so I was just like, what if we just sent all the tardigrades in every direction? And it really worked out that like you'd have about a one percent chance that one of them would land on one of these planets just by the cross section of it just going out. So what I think that kind of thing. That's what makes this discovery so exciting. Is like the idea that there's just seven of these, and you've just got started. I imagine yeah. if there's 200 planets, mm. you're going to be finding more of these, right? And yeah, so the and, so the the Belgians, you know, so with Trappist, their telescope, they looked at 60 systems like this already. Now mm-hmm. they they come up with another one, so they got more funding. And instead of calling a Trappist or, or Val, they called it Speculoos because they like cookies oh, as well. Oh, yeah, those as, little cookies, yeah. those cinnamon cookies so, you dip with your coffee. So, so, they, so, good. so, yeah, so they totally doubled down on the acronym. I don't uh-huh. even remember how they – you can go to the oh, website God. and see how they, they scrunched it in. So they made an acronym sort of out of Speculoos, and it's not recursive, right? So it's only – but that's going to look at about 1,000 ultra-cool dwarfs nearby. Uh-huh. So and then the idea wow. with that is, you know, we're going to find something else like Trappist-1. But this technique that you guys used, this isn't like where the planet wobbles. You had to – they have to – they actually have to eclipse the star, Yeah, right? it transits the so, star, right. So that – doesn't that cut in a lot into the probability that even if you're looking at a star that ha- – I mean, there could be others that have tons of planets. Yeah, that's, that's – it's, it's statistical, right. So, you know, typically if you think about an Earth around an Earth-type star, it's got about a 1% chance of you – having a probability of seeing that if you're looking at Earth, you know, solar sun-like stars and, and looking for transits. That's what the Kepler Space Telescope did. That's why they looked at one patch of sky, a pretty big patch of sky, and they just stared at it for as long as they could till their reaction wheels kind of got out of whack. With the ultra-cool dwarfs, they're smaller stars, so then you have a better chance of seeing a planet. And also the planets are orbiting in closer. That ups your probability. So it's like between 5 and 10%. Well, that's not that bad. But you still have to look at a lot of systems to see one, right? So they looked at 60, and we saw we hit the jackpot on one, right? Because not only did we just see one, but because of the the plane of the orbits, it's all they're all kind of going in the same plane, and that plane is pretty much right along the line of sight, right? So that's a pretty good alignment. You know, that happens probably like one out of every hundred times. So, you know, we, you know, there was a, pay, a big, you know, jackpot for astronomers seeing this. So, so you're saying like all, the, you said there were about 200. So you're saying if we find like one other one like this, that means that possibly all of them have planets like this? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's I mean, very it is, possible that's... that the systems are all pretty dense like this. Oh, and God. we even know from Kepler, because they studied, they, you know, looked mostly at solar-type stars, but they also looked at uh, lower-mass stars, too. And you find that planets are pretty common around low-mass stars, actually much more common than we expected, like, 20 years ago. Because if you take the amount of material in the... Um, you know, the solar system, and you say, okay, well, you know, it kind of, that's what was left over from the process of forming the sun, and the rest of it kind of formed planets, or, you know, they couldn't form planets and left you with the asteroid belt. 
you would think with a, a very small star, there's less material around it in the, in the disk that it formed out of, so it's less likely that you'd have enough material left over to form stars. But it ends uh -huh. up that the, the disks around young, like um, smaller stars are, are bigger. They have, you know, you guys can do whatever you want with, you know, smaller stars having bigger disks, right? So. Hey! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's seven discovered and uh, a couple of them too close or too hot to have life, and then the further ones are too cold. Yeah. So right in the middle, those are the ones they're going to spend most of the effort studying probably. Yeah, I, I think we'll concentrate on the ones where you think they're in a habitable zone. The benefit of looking at the ones closer in, of course, is that they, they transit. They go in front of their star more often, right? So, you know, the, the one that's in closest, you see that every one and a half days. The Which one, is, that's a, for a year, like the equivalent of a year, but in a day. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, so, yeah that's they're amazing. years a day. So what that means is every, you know, one and a half days, you could point your telescope. And it's going to go almost like clockwork, not quite. But, you know, you, you can time when it's going to go in front of the star and then just observe it now when you want to. The timing changes a little bit because the planets are so close together, like the Galilean moons, and they're in the they're in a particular set of spacings called a resonance, almost near resonance orbits, that they actually their gravitation works with each other, so they kind of tug, push, and pull, and that changes the timing of the orbits, and that changes enough that we can actually measure it. You see changes in timing from like you know seconds to minutes in these, and that's what we're doing now. That's the way wow. we measure the mass of these things, because when a planet transits, the only thing you can say for sure when you see the light the, the light of the star get dimmer is you say, well, I know how big the star was. I see the depth of the dimming. Because you, that's what you measure with your telescope. Mm. That tells you how big the planet is. Okay. But that's pretty much all the information you usually get from a transit. But because the time, well, that and the fact that if you see more than one transit, well, now you know how long it how long their year is. And then from, you know, the laws of gravitation, you know how far away it is from the star because you know what the mass of the star is. But, you know. but we'll see the atmosphere at some point, right? Too? Yeah. So that's, the transit. so that's the thing. So with the transits, if you look at the transits at different wavelengths, so you split the light into its different colors, you can, if you see differences in the depth of the transit, what that means is the effective size of that planet, that different color wavelength of light changes. And the only way that's going to happen, you know, rock doesn't change. It Rock absorbs all wavelengths, right? You know, but if there's an atmosphere, it's going to selectively absorb things based on the composition. So like if you like oxygen has a particular signature, you know, like sodium vapor lamps, like if you, you know, you look in your neighborhood at night with a, if you had like disperse the light with like your iPhone or something like that, you can do that. Like well, it's like sunsets, yeah, right? like sunsets. It's basically looking at a sunset. Yeah, well, sunsets scattering the, the light, so it's a little broader band than that, mm. but you can actually get like a chemical, you know, it's, it's like CSI in space, right? You can get a chemical fingerprint by looking at the amount that the light dip varies is a function of the color of light. And the we can't do that with Spitzer because we don't have the instrumentation that still works on it. But Webb has this fan, you know, for $8 billion, you better have some good instruments. <laughs> and it has the instrumentation to do it. So if you look at these planets for like about, about 50 transits, you could detect molecular oxygen, ozone, and methane, right? And if you get those in the right combination, the only way you can get that combination, at least as far as we know, is the presence of life. You know, you know, Things like cows produce methane, right? So if you got more right. methane than you expect from the rest, from folks who know how to do chemistry. I was that was not my strong suit. You know, they can tell you what it should, what you should see if you see those abundances out of whack with each other compared to what you expect from your textbooks for atmospheric science. Then you know something else is going on. That something else would could be life. Okay. 
Griff, can I borrow one of your textbooks on atmospheric science? Yeah, after the it's podcast in the car. Let me go grab it up after the show. <laughs> that, was, that was a wonderfully clear explanation. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. Right, We're cool. used to like just getting lost. That is all very... Usually <laughs> when Kevin talks, He's, we just yeah. check yeah. out. And he gets mad at you when you don't understand. He said, like, yeah. how do you not get that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I could do equations for you guys, but you know, I haven't had enough coffee. Well, so. that's why you got on NASA TV. I, I, I don't get to be on NASA TV. Oh, oh man, you don't even have credits in the science world? <laughs> no. Oh, wait, no. local access, Pasadena <laughs> yeah, TV. Yeah, there you go. That's huge, dude. Um, That's I can't get over the fact that their year is 1.5 days, which means if there's life on that planet, their, their Poxitani Phil is going to be very busy. They have a very, like, <laughs> oh, seasons and joke. days. Uh, or, yeah. right, so, so, but so really, it's Burning Man dream, right? He's yeah. like, oh, my God, it's Burning Man again. <laughs> Three more minutes of winter. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, the, dogs are way older. There's, there's a problem with seasons, though, right? So, you know, we have seasons because the Earth, it, it, it rotates. It has its axis tilt. We also have a day-night sequence, right? These planets, because they're in so close, they, they're like Mercury or like the moon. They keep right, yes. one side facing their star, mostly, and the other side is going to be on the dark side. They're but we don't know that for sure, right? Like some, can be, like, like some could be like EO where they're knocked it's, off yeah, by something, it's, it's, it's a collision or something. You know, but, but we assume that planets that close don't have traditional years and days. Right. They're going to be – most of well, them should be tidal, one year, tidally locked. Yeah, we don't know for sure. You're right, but, okay, but they should be. if you're building resorts, and that's probably going to be the first thing that people will do on these things. Trump. Trump is going to probably build a resort. <laughs> Um, what's kind of nice is you have this nice little ring where you just sell as a feature like, oh, it's sunset all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just you build a fake beach there and everyone's like, okay. By the way, if you go to the other side, it'll get too hot and you'll get Yeah, and if you want to cool off, you just go around to the dark side and you're happy. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Year-round skiing over here. And then it's like flipping the pillow, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so that's like one of the reasons we, when we say, you know, in the, in the press release and stuff, we said that like six of the seven could potentially have liquid water is or actually i think in some places we said all seven is why three are in the zone where we think it's likely to have and that's kind of like the same zone that venus earth and mars are in you know if you said with the habitable zone for our sun it includes venus earth and mars and we know we only got liquid water on one of the three right so there's yeah. more. which that one is on. it griff <laughs> a comedian uh from from uh commented on my thread he's like corrected me he's like oh no they're all in the habitable zone it was just it was inconsistent with the three in there but then i had to remind him i was like dude like he's he's from uh, ohio or something like i don't consider ohio to be the habitable zone so you <laughs> know my, <laughs> no, and, 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 and these are all, yeah, all, great all, thank all you. spherical thank you. too the none of them are flat so i think we should let people know that there's no well no, no we gotta talk Kyrie irving into that one did you guys hear about that he thinks the earth is flat yeah and he lost a three-point shooting contest <laughs> What's that? Because he doesn't point. understand how gravity works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he, he was like, oh, it's a parabola, not an ellipse. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said in, yeah, in the press conference. Yeah, when he missed the second shot. Or little mechanics and, people are going to get that joke. That yeah. was a beautiful joke. <laughs> Thank you. I, I wish that that deserved more. Let's get Kyrie Irving on this podcast and try The it. hyperbolic. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so another thing people ask me. Uh, so it's like my, it's like my my Twitter, my Facebook post. <laughs> yeah, I'm just retweeting everything. Oh my god! Oh Into the show. So uh, another cool <laughs> thing that people ask is like, could you go there? And of course, we t we talked about the Voyager taking six hundred thousand years. But as a nuclear physicist, I'm very excited about the possibility of relativistic rockets. So I did some calculations with that, and uh, it's kind of 40 light years isn't that bad. No, because not at all. one of the cool things you could do, imagine you have a rocket that accelerates at 1G, 
all the time. Okay. That's about the fastest you can. You might be able to go up to 2G, but people tend to pass out if you get too much gravity. So you might be able to jump. But the general rule of thumb is, look, you can only go 1G, which is kind of, well, that'd be fine because then you're in there and you have gravity the whole time, mm. which would be nice. Because well, Don't the, you want 3 or 4G so you can call your family? Hey! Oh. Wow! That's, that's, that. that's, yeah, very that's good. an applause break right there. Broussard, <laughs> the assassin. <laughs> the assassin. <laughs> and you're using the formula good too, because that wouldn't work in print, since one's a little G and one's a big G. So it's a way to kill the joke. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, guys. Just, just yeah. let it go. G, Kevin. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Woo! Oh, God. We're like this all the time. We just took uh, a trip to Tag City, didn't we? <laughs> so. Anyway, you, so there's this, this cool little formula. There's this little uh, simulator, ro- relativistic rocket simulator that on the web. And uh, you can plug in those things. It turns out you can take get to, to Trappist 1 in about seven and a quarter years if you go on one of these things. So wow. my claim Constant is... So How much time would pass on Earth? That good question. Oh, 41 years. Yeah. Okay. So and that's wow. where it gets weird. Jeez, I'm glad you asked. Really that. close to the speed of light. At yeah. Well, speed. if you're accelerating yeah. at one g, you spend most of the time going the speed of light. In fact, you right. might argue, why would you bother continuing there? It would only be to. Can you go fast or go past the speed of light, or that's no, not, no. That's... Well, I mean, maybe you can, but that this the question was because people are asking, is it possible? I was saying, what? So many people is just physically got so angry possible. at his question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Trek fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my name is Griff Pippen. <laughs> but I, but I got to point out, I mean, the, the, I'm going to really sell this this point, though, uh, is that this is a legitimate retiring destination, possibly, because we, if we, for me, I'm 40, so if we can get a sp- one of these relativistic rockets built in the next 25 years, you know, reasonable goal. Uh, <laughs> all right, no, By the way, guys, that means you know, during your press conference, they said, they kept using the, the uh, they asked the same question, they said, um, engineering miracles. Yeah, it only, only took like a hundred or a thousand. Yeah, hundred engineering <laughs> Just, just fun fact to point out: if people on that planet exist and they're looking at our planet, they would right now be watching you be born. Oh, yeah. forty light years, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kept you forty. Yeah, they'd be seeing some good TV too. <laughs> yeah. All They've the family. seen us for yeah. a long time, though. Gilligan's I mean, Island. Gilligan's Island. We're brighter to them, right? I mean, they they see our star easily, don't they? Yes. Yeah, the, sure. I mean, our star's a lot brighter. So that'd you be see one me of the, shining. One of the bright stars in their sky. <laughs> I'm worried about oh, that. Really? I'd feel... Yeah, because yeah, our star's pretty bright compared to... It's it's hot compared to their star. But we're dinky in terms of mass, right? Or size, or no? No, so our star's about 10 times larger in size than their star, and okay. it's, it's much brighter. I forget, it's like a you know, couple hundred thousand times brighter, I think. How much? How do we stack up, like compared to local stars in terms of mass and brightness? And so, kind of, we're, we're above average, right? Okay. You know, so you know, if you're talking all aliens, matters, you're say, above yeah, average. You're above <laughs> average, right? Our star is five and a half. Our star is girthier than most of the surrounding stars. Yeah, no, seventy percent of the stars are more like this, so they're like a little more than a tenth the size. Of our okay. star, so you know our star is good size. Good size. It's a good. Yeah, that was it's a good, good size. Size. It's not but huge, like, but it's a good size. They get really much bigger, right? Like the the biggest stars. And they can be much, by. Can be much bigger. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that happens when stars get towards the end of their life is they kind of bloat, like some people do, right? Uh, <laughs> Freshman 15, yeah. That's what Kevin said. That's what Kevin said. And, and they kind of expand their envelopes. Uh, the sun's going to do that. It's going to become go into this red giant phase where it's going to swell Especially up. Especially when they turn 40. To be much, right much bigger. And they'll be much brighter because it's a bigger star, even though it's going to start to cool off. These ultra-cool dwarfs, though, they stay 
thin. Well, they don't bloat, actually. They don't stay thin. They keep so the same cool. amount of mass. So they just kind of slowly burn out after. Because what they're, they're going to they do is. They never run into helium? Is that what causes that? No, they're not going to burn helium. They don't well, actually. That's why they never They don't expand, get up to the helium right? flash. No, yeah. So, the, yeah, the reason they don't expand is because they're more convective. So they keep dredging the. We're getting technical now, right? We're dredging <laughs> up the hydrogen. So they're yeah, actually. This is my favorite. This is the nuclear yeah, physics so, part. So they're, they're more, they're more yeah. like economy cars. They burn their fuel more efficiently. So they end up burning more of their fuel. So it takes them a lot longer to burn out. You know, I think what we say with there's about another 5 billion years for the uh, sun's lifetime. And these will last at least, I think, the highest mass of the low-mass dwarfs last, you know, 3 to 10 times as long as that. Oh, wow. So they're like long-distance runners. Our star's a sprinter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slow metabolism. Yeah. Right. So the other thing means is that, you know, if there was life on these planets, you know, that life, if they don't do something to themselves could last for a really, really long time. I how mean, old are they? How old is the star? So we, we don't know how old the star is, you know, because once they form and settle down, it's really hard to tell their age. You know, they're, yeah, they, they, they it's don't. Like Asian people. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's actually 68. Yeah. See? <laughs> Look good for 68. <laughs> You're like the ultra cool dwarf in the room, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question we, we don't know this it's got to be at least about half a billion years old because it, it doesn't have a lot of the flaring associated with young ultra cool oh, so there probably so aren't any competitors it's so younger than earth pretty good well, we yeah. know it, it could be the it could be the same age we just don't know so you know so it could be much younger than our star at that rate though it, it's at least as old but, as a tenth the age of the um of that's our the, solar system. Okay. But saying could, that's the lower bound. It's the lower bound. Yeah, it could be even well, it could be even older. We don't know. It's probably because it's nearby, right? And you figure most of the stars nearby form close to the same time. Then it's probably close to our the same age, but you know, we can't say that with any certainty. So that's okay. yeah. But it's possible we can show up and we'll be the big guys on planet and crush all the little microbes are there, build a resort. Permanent sunset. Oh, so I want to pitch this idea. I got to get more onto this this trip. Okay, so let's say you get to, yeah. if 25 years we build this thing, this relativistic rocket, we we solve all the thousand miracles that we need. Um, I'm very optimistic guy, so I think that's possible. Um, relativistic rocket. Yeah. So we. So that's the name of our uh, band. I was going to so do that's explosives <laughs> in the sky. Their lead singer's new project. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> relativistic rockets. We can do that yeah. joke every episode. I swear <laughs> to God, it's our thing. <laughs> what was the other one? The um, neutrino noise floor. No, neutrino noise floor. That's oh, a really these are really fun party in Silver Lake. Yeah. So you get into this thing at age 65, right? And this is the pitch. Like, what do most people want when they get older? They want to see their grandkids. Go know, they, they follow them on Facebook. Their grandkids usually don't want to see them. This is perfect because they go off on their little their little journey. Only takes seven years. They get to the new planet. You know, let's say that something goes wrong. They don't make it. Eh, they tried. You know, but let's say they do make it. They're sitting there getting all these messages back from Earth. But Earth is going slower. So they're getting, you know, they're seeing their kids grow up at an accelerated rate. And then let's say they make it and they set up shop on the planet at age 72. Not a bad age to to reach a planet. You know, Mm -hmm. you're tired of being out there. And then you just sit there and, you you know, you saw what your family became and and you don't have to worry about... uh, 
them getting mad at you or anything because you don't get to hear much of that. Wait, so you so got seven twilight years on a planet where it's always sunset. Right. Yeah. I've so, got a really dumb math question. Aging wise, you go yeah, there in not seven, dumb, right. seven years, and yeah. then are your kids are? I mean, obviously, you're you're both aging at the same rate, but no, some, no, 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 that's no, not what I'm getting. Rate. You're not. So yeah. have you kids, seen Interstellar? God during, damn it! During those well, seven years, you were flying. You will watch forty years pass on Earth. Forty-one years pass on Earth. It's so si- technically, you're going to be, let's say you leave at 70 and you get there at 77 and your kids were 40 and now they're 80 and you're 77. That's great. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you got it. That's super cool. And you get to see, they have wow. kids, they have grandkids, maybe they have great grandkids. So isn't that what everybody wants when they retire anyway? It's just like, oh, I just want to see that I was successful. Now, of course, they might send back bad news and really ruin yeah, your retirement. Your grandkids like, can potentially. Well, the second you left, everything got fucked Your grandkids <laughs> can potentially break their hip and say uh, to their grandparents, wait till you get my age. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, it might be kind of cool. You know, it's it's like it's like trying to prolong your life, but not in a way where you get to live longer. But Relatively, you, you, yeah. yeah, you stretch Physics. it out, and you get to see yourself extend. Yeah, I think this might actually be a normal way people retire in the future. Someday. Um, I have a physics question. What would um, the people on Earth see if they looked at the spaceship? They will see the messages coming through. Much uh, less often, and they'll be uh, th- so the time it will. They'll see the astronauts as if they're going slowly. Um, well, what what ages will they see? Well, so let's say I'm flying away from you and you're stationed on Earth. Will you see me aging more slowly or more quickly? Yeah, the, they'll see the grandparents kind of frozen, not frozen, but grandparents being on the yeah, spaceship, aging at one third the age. Yeah. So they're okay. So their their observations will agree. Uh, no. No. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they'll agree. Yeah, yeah. They have so to. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll see you aging fast. You'll see me aging right. slow. Okay. And in fact, the fact that they agree is uh, that was a, uh, Einstein called this the, the twin paradox. Mm. Because when you actually calculate two frames, I mean, the whole point of relativity is that Different if things two, happen, they're both right. they both see each other as traveling less time. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, well, wait a minute. Why would, if, if one person is traveling slower, if they both see each other as traveling slower, why is it that when an astronaut goes and comes back, then they're clearly younger and the other one who stayed behind is older and they have to agree on that. So that's called the twin paradox and it's resolved by the fact that uh, one of the person who's accelerating is the one who gets to be the one who slows down. Right. That's and that was actually a key insight that led him. Well, no, it's still special relativity, but it led to the the development for general relativity because he said, wait a minute. So if accelerating also causes your timeline to be definitively different, there's something special about the process of acceleration. And then that's uh-huh. that's when he started thinking about gravity and realized gravity had to also slow down time and that's what an interstellar that was the cause of it there was the the, the black gra- hole right, yeah. doing it but this process of an astronaut just accelerating can all be calculated in the mathematics of uh of rel- uh, special relativity because okay. there's no gravity involved it's Pretty just math, yeah. yeah if my daughter grew up to be who was it jessica chastain and my <laughs> son grew up to be casey affleck i'll say that's pretty good retirement <laughs> right <laughs> How, sure. how fast? That's okay. your life. How fast? Do you, <laughs> it's Academy Award season, guys. He's really stoked about it. Trying to tie it in to the Hollywood, the, the movie stuff. You know, hey, look, how, how how fast do you have to accelerate for this to really make a difference? Like, if I just go on super fast in a plane. All my life with that, with that, no, that, that one. Their, yeah. Uh, yeah, plane uh, is a, definitely a really very yeah. very minor. Um, where it's most noticeable. In history, the only time it's been very noticeable between two people was the Apollo astronauts. 
Oh yeah, one guy. Oh, was it twenty minutes? Younger. You said no, I don't remember. I'm sorry, I should have looked that up. One wait, square root of one minus v squared over c squared is the contraction factor. So v needs to be. Uh, is yeah, it's v squared yeah. over c squared, right? Okay. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, squared. You guys, yeah. You guys, it's you guys not, if you're listening Duh. at home and don't know relativity and you're at all interested, it's not hard math. It's math you could have done in tenth grade. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Cox like has a... an online course for free on. Uh, Something like World Science U University or something like Actually, that? Actually, I think I, recommend it. I gave enough information earlier because I had that little reminder about orbital velocity of the Earth, roughly one point, uh, one ten thousandth of the speed of light. Which so you can fast. expand you can expand out the gamma factor to be one uh, minus one half of the factor inside. So it'd be roughly half of one ten thousandth. So it'd be one twenty thousandth of uh, of every second would be dropped. So that's what oh. the astronauts did. They were roughly going that same speed um, relative to the Earth. So mm -hmm. for every second they're in there, they lost uh, uh, 20 thousandth of a second. Mm. Now, another place you would see this more often, though, is your phone is doing this experiment with both special relativity and general relativity every single second. Every it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. every blip we get from a GPS signal has this timing built into it, and it uses the, the phone actually uses a, an algorithm, uses Einstein's formulas to figure out where the satellites are. And if we didn't have those formulas right, and Einstein was wrong, GPS that would be garbage. GPS would GPS not work. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And that's the, the coolest. Yeah, yeah, that's the most practical. People were like, "Well, relativity." It's, it sounds yeah. like yeah, it's like that is the number one thing people cite. And of it, like, see, yep. curiosity really? can actually lead to something. It is, can, it can is very that? noticeable amount of time. It is several I, nanoseconds can per second. Can you explain that? Somebody? Uh, okay, so what it does is your cell phone, there's six, six? Well, so you're saying it's satellites? however many are, uh, are are above you at any time. There's uh, lots of them. Yeah, you see a minimum of three. I think minimum usually three. it's a minimum of three. It doesn't, so what it does is basically uh, it knows the where where the satellite should be in the sky, and it reads their time clocks, and the, the clock, uh, it, it looks at it and sees how much it's delayed, which tells you how far away that satellite is. Uh, so basically, if you can see this one's this far away, this one's this far mm -hmm. away, and this one's this far away, I can I can draw three lines that distance. Where must I be to be those distances oh. between them? So that's how it calculates. Your, your phone does all that math <laughs> just by reading three different clocks. Mm -hmm. Now these clocks are out in space, moving very fast with different gravity, which might be a factor. Well, they're mm -hmm. accelerating, yeah, right? Because, because they're rotating around, so you have to accelerate mm -hmm. when you rotate. So doing the math for that. Uh, that relative that time violation, whatever, it. Yep. it has to just slightly tweak those numbers, very slightly, and with that tweak, we can figure out where my phone is within a one-foot radius. Not wow. just that. You said triangulate. You don't, and you said a straight line. That's the other thing. It's not a straight line. It it's is a slightly bend line because of gravity. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and that wow. signal That's follows why a, curved, for a, uh, a curved path. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> can I ask? A, I have two kind of off-topic questions. What have been the benefits of the Hubble outside of the science community? If someone's at home, like I don't care about science, what has the Hubble done for us? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio narrated that IMAX movie. That was really cool. About Hubble. So there yeah. you go. Three D. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, you know, so all astronomy, right, is inquiry into our understanding what the universe is made up, right? So, I mean, if somebody's not interested in what's out there, what the you know what what the stars are made of how many stars there are, you know, I, I think, well, either they're having a really exciting life because they don't care, or maybe maybe they're <laughs> Too busy getting laid. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah, so that could be, or they're, or they're missing out, right? So uh -huh. I think it's, it's just, it's furthering our, our understanding of the universe, right? So all, and that's pretty much, you know, astronomy has, that's one of the kicks of astronomy is we're kind of pushing back the bounds of our ignorance, right? We're learning about things. And then the other neat thing about astronomy is, unlike any other, any other physical science, you can't do an experiment, right? I can't, like, crank up an accelerator or something. 
something and measure anything about these planets. Can't zap them if we want. If we did, it would still take 40-plus years for the ions to get there. It would actually take them much longer. To, well, I guess we shot them out at, like, 0.9 C. They'd get there pretty close. <laughs> so, you know, astronomy is also years. like a detective story, too, right? You know, you guys could be voyeurs if you want to. I'll go with detective. But, you know, you're always learning stuff just based on inference from what you can observe. And that's kind of, you know, that's one, of, that's one of the reasons I got into it is because it's, it's cool to be able to try to figure out puzzles that are hard to solve because you can't go get all the information right so that's like when you guys ask, you know people ask well is there life around these planets you know we'd love to know but we got no easy way of finding out except you know a couple years we're going to be able to have at least some some measurements we can take some observations they're going to give us a clue right so, so look i i i totally bargained wrong on this i mean i'm happy being nuclear physics but I was always like when I, when I when I was picking Gosh. what direction to go I knew into. I should have gone to baseball. <laughs> Denzel Washington and fences. You yeah. get all the ad. No. Eighteen to... years I stood here on this yard. <laughs> really, I stood here right there with you. Really good, Denzel. Oh, thank you. You're, you're killing the the non Chinese guy accents today. <laughs> Eighteen years. I think Jimmy's just like I'm not going to be typecasted, even though I completely killed Jimmy's it. Got in Patriots Day, playing a Jimmy will guy. play a black man by the <laughs> end of his career. I like Jimmy's SNL audition being nothing but like with the exact same as Jay Farrow's. I, just like, oh, oh, this is my Jay Z. I'm like, you're not getting on the show. <laughs> But it's hard for an Asian guy to do impressions. There's like four people that I can do. That's it. Like Yao Ming, which I, I don't look like Yao Ming. You can do Yao Ming, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. Maybe Lucy Liu. That's about it. Lucy Liu. You got the hair for Lucy Liu. It's not, not a lot of range. You can do you a know? Margaret Cho. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so when I was like picking, I, you know, I would thought the other way around. It's like, oh, astronomy, you know, that's not going anywhere because you can't. You can't do experiments with it. And then, man, was I, I completely bet wrong because all of the best discoveries in the last 20 years have come from astronomy. I mean, like the, 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 just the stuff that's come in is just mind-blowing. And a lot of it ended up informing nuclear physics and particle physics more than nuclear physics. More than molecular physics, which is the physics of milk. Uh, can you expand on that? Like, what of these, what of the benefits from... Uh, astronomy been in, in in nuclear well okay we've learned about <laughs> dark energy uh -huh. we've learned about dark matter which is presumed to be a particle though we can't find it but it fits very well with the concept that it's a particle that we should be able to find at a place like the LHC but we can't that's one of the places where the gamble went wrong uh -huh. uh, because we built this big particle I mean it, I'm not saying we shouldn't have built the LHC because knowing that it's not there is also very important but it shows that, I mean, astronomers can tell us more about dark matter right now than particle physicists can, even though we should be able to make it, and we haven't been able to. Um, in fact, we've only been able to make one new particle in the last, like, 20 years. Which was? Uh, the Higgs. Higgs. So we were able to, to measure the Higgs properties. Um, we just learned so much about uh, parameters of um, the flatness of the universe. We've learned about... Uh, the light elements very well in the last 30 years. Um, abundance made from the Big Bang and from stars. It's just the list goes. And then all the exoplanet stuff. Anyway, what, I mean, what else could you name? There's tons, right? Well, that's a lot of it. I mean, there is tons, <laughs> right? But, I mean, you know, basically the universe is uh, has a lot more imagination than we do, right? I mean, everything mm. that we can learn is, I, well, I think this is a true statement, everything we can learn is already out there. So part of it is if we just go and find it. Now, the way we discover it depends on, you know, you can either we can either go look like an astronomy 
or in particle physics, we can try to design really good experiments. I mean, you shouldn't. I, I think the LHC was a great idea, you know, and um, you know it didn't pay off, but it taught us a whole lot. And one of the things it taught us is maybe we don't know as much sometimes as we think we know, right? Yeah. Uh, Watch just, when. Well, we also kind of we we got really lucky with a lot of astronomy too. Like all of, the fact there are so many planets is not something that could, we didn't know that was gonna happen. Uh, That's tw- no. just my twenty, 20, 20 years ago. We had no idea how many planets were out there, right? And you know even. Uh, more recently, we didn't think there were planets around very small stars, certainly not abundant planets around them. And just the last 10 years, the amount of water in space, we didn't know that that was abundant, and there's so much of it, and it's nearby. Yeah. I mean, you just in our solar system, there's way more. So, you know, it could have been the other way around, by the yep. way. I'm, you know, I'm not saying it was like an uninformed bet. It was just because it's nature that got to pick. I mean, that's the whole point of science is we didn't know which one was going to pay off more. That's why we had to do both. So that's the cool thing um, is to find out. Yeah. yeah. So, so it could have been like we turned on the LHC. It was like, oh, my God, there's like a million new particles. This is awesome. Free ice cream. Um, but, you know, and it could have been space. It was like we could have stared into space like, oh, my God, we're and on an no island. Planets, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and keep so in mind. So they've gone different directions, nuclear yeah. and astronomy. Astro- nuclear, you haven't discovered as much as you thought you were on track we're to. We're hoping for. Well, yeah. it's not. And then, no, no, well, I, I, I think we're on think. track. It's just, you know, it, it ended up not being maybe yeah. as exciting as some people yeah. would hope. It's kind of like if you wanted to be an improv Are you calling the Higgs boson boring? No, Excuse no. me. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's not as boring. It's just there's not as much to learn. Like, it, it wasn't answering as many questions as we needed I just to want to apologize to any other nuclear physicists listening that he's just really shooting down. Well, you're your people too. I am not. Dude, this is East Coast West Coast beef right now. I'm not. I'm not dwarfs on people too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that um, it's not? It, it didn't not pay off because we mentioned relativistic rockets. The things that are going to help us make a relativistic rocket is not the astronomy. It's the know-how of building something like the LHC. That's the kind of thing that we need. That's the technology that would go into this. So if you want to retire. On this planet, twenty-five years, you got to put a lot more money into accelerators, even though they're not paying off. And into your IRA because it's going to be expensive. To get <laughs> hey guys, are you going expensive. to the relative, uh, relativistic rocket concert later? <laughs> <laughs> that was a mouthful. Well, they, they it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Just keep working. They, they just crushed it. They just a noise floor last night. Yeah. The trail noise floor is more. It's still the coolest. Yeah. 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 It's also a depressing yeah. concept. The shooting noise floor is like really like it's sad. I would, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Like. Oh, it's a bummer. Man. We can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we should make a cereal. Bad, right? yeah. 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 That's why it still sounds like a cereal to me. It's like, I did really well on my test today, Dad. Why's that, son? Because I ate my neutrinos for breakfast. <laughs> and I could see Kevin just going and feeding it to his kid, looking hungover. Uh-huh. <laughs> and for our new listeners, uh, Griff will be telling that joke every episode. I'm really <laughs> joking. Yep. Can I change topics uh, a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. Um, we... As far as I'm aware, I still don't know what creates life. What factors does Earth have that we think that make it so wonderful for life? I think we know what creates life. Well, <laughs> I think we know the <laughs> That's the that. one thing religious people have is that we still have no idea how a single-celled organisms came to be. Well, no idea. I well, think I got we a lot know. Of, I got some shit on you know, social media for this too because I am a very optimistic scientist, and you know. Just to throw this out there, that might be why I have a podcast and my critics don't. But uh, uh, the oh, yeah, shots yeah, fired! Yeah. We might have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got, you got to roll with that. No, right Ryan, we're yeah, not yeah. cutting that out. He's throwing shade like a planet moving in front of a right. sun oh, right now. Oh, 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 What's that white light oh, down? That's shade, baby. That's a big transit. Oh, planet roast battle. Oh. Need Viagra for my microphone here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what 
there's two ways of looking at it. So I said that I think it's likely there's life on this. I said it is, I said may at first, but then I said even likely there's life on it because every time we've looked at water on Earth, anytime we found warm water, there's been life on it. And we have not had a chance to look for liquid water and see if it has life on it anywhere else. We know that there's not organisms living on the surface of Mars, let's say, but that's because we also know there's no liquid water there. So that's not a correct test of whether life can exist. Even though that's our neighbor, you would think, well, that's our neighbor, so they have it. But that's a desert in compared to the universe. You have the planets like this, the Trappist system, and we know that they're really, really likely to be covered in liquid water or have a lot of liquid water. And so from my point of view, if you have a thing that can go back and forth and you have a thing like a tardigrade that can survive in space, I think the chance that there's something on there is is pretty reasonable. But unfortunately, we, we have only one data point. So we have one there. data point. We, have, you know what? we could be alone. It could be remarkably abundant. The way planetary science has gone, it, it seems to be trending towards the positive. Everything keeps moving. I keep getting direction. excited. But right? like, I mean, does, but... isn't our magnetic field one of the reasons we have life? on this planet? It blocks solar rays that would destroy, or uh, not solar well, rays. Uh, it, stops, it stops some of the radiation which you think may prevent life. Of course, we also need some ultraviolet, maybe some X-rays at the beginning to produce life. Yeah, you need it's a you need it and you don't need it in times. Yeah. Plus, you know what? There, I mean, when I said we find liquid water, there's life. I'm talking like in cracks in the ground, like sometimes as deep as miles down, they right. found microbes. So those aren't getting any you know, x-rays. So there's, like, our form of life is sensitive to read. We're here on the land because we have a magnetic field. But that doesn't mean a life form somewhere else can't. I mean, and again, I mentioned the tardigrade. They can survive in space. And there's they, a yeah, lot of radiation. There's arsenic-based life forms on our own planet. Right? Or was that That's arsenic? what you call Kevin's comedy career. <laughs> oh. hey, what was that right? In 2010, they discovered in the bottom of some lake the, the, the thermal vents. I think he's yeah, yeah, yeah. These extremophiles can yeah. handle all an extremophile. Sounds like this fall with Chris Hansen. Extremophile. Take a seat. I see here in the chat log you extremed a few kids. Yes. That's a good see, band name. If they, if they live in yeah. the oh, that's extremophiles. That we all missed a really wonderful warm water joke earlier, and I'm just I'm oh, slow going. No. Oh, what was it? Go Wherever back you to find, it. what's that? Go back to it. Yeah. No, no. Was it a dossier joke? Because that was just like a in a pool's joke, maybe. That was uh, what I was okay. Saying. I thought you were yeah. doing the the the, dust, what, the Trump you, you dossier. You talk about microbes. What defines life? Where does that cutoff happen? A microbe is considered life. Well, when I said likely on this planet, I even meant Earth-like life, meaning something resembling DNA, maybe even related to us. But um, the general definition of life is pretty extreme. So pretty extreme. Well, what is it? Uh, you gotta be careful, well, Planned Parenthood out that's there. A, that's yeah. a, that's, a, that's <laughs> our sponsor for today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Life begins at biogenesis. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the dossier. <laughs> that episode we deleted. <laughs> What about period? You deleted it. Yeah, we did. There's no guess. It was just all of us talking. The beauty of science is it doesn't have politics. Yeah, remember I told you, like, when it's just the comedians, it goes downhill so fast. I'm like a damping force. Yes, you are. Otherwise, you're just oscillating without control. I get it. Yeah. So, you know, about the life around systems like Trappist 1. Oh, one you know, a lot of critics about saying studying these ultra cool dwarfs or M dwarfs in general is the M dwarfs throw a lot of X rays off. They have a lot of flaring typically, so it's not oh, yeah, like yeah. you know our sun's pretty quiet. So maybe that's something you need for life. Maybe not mm -hmm. though. So. 
it's interesting to kind of see different environments and see what's out there, right? Because a lot of people say, well, with all the X-ray bombardment, that maybe life, particularly early on in these stars when they're young, so younger than 500 million years, you know, most of them seem to have a lot of X-ray flares, which you would think wouldn't be good for life because it's going to, like, kind of cook everything. So as you're trying to form that DNA early on and get the, you know, the self-replicating chemistry going, well, then you constantly get this radiation coming that's breaking things up. Do you – I'm sorry this question makes it sound like I'm just trying to show off something I know, but, like, do you guys believe there's the belief that life Your hair says that also. <laughs> you know, face, by the way, I dress. Um, is there um, – do you too believe that life may have come here on uh, a, a meteor or something like that, and that's why we can't recreate biogenesis? Why? I, I think that's very likely. Yeah. Very likely, but, uh, but uh, that's not uh, that's I, I, not I, enough data. I, I think, think it's so, possible. You yeah. know, I, I I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other on I'm, that. I mean, again, like our the discovery rate makes a big difference. Okay. So there. I got more and more excited about this idea as these astronomy discoveries come in, because I used to think we were an island, you know, like, and I think a lot of astronomers thought that, like, the Earth was this magical blue ball, and everything outside of it was going to be like your Marses and your Venuses and, and your asteroids, your moon, where there's no life, there's no air, there's no water. But since then, we found, you know, blue there's ball. liquid water on Pluto and yeah. on Ceres, possibly, and, like, and, and there's more even on Earth than we thought, which is an even more mind blow. So... Everything's changed. And then the fact that there's just, you know, we used to know, oh, well, I think everyone was like, sure, there's definitely planets. We can't be the only planet, right? But then to find all these ones that are Earth-sized is really amazing. And even that was kind of just because we didn't really have the ability to look, I think. I that mean, was pretty much it. We didn't yeah. know how to, we weren't able to look, and now we can. Because Kepler was, was finding, exciting. Kepler, when we had uh, Peter on, um, he talked about this. I mean, that discovers big, it, it Bias is what you find towards what it's able to find. So it, it finds these huge planets. So for a long time, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, well, well Kep I mean, Kepler was designed to look for Earth-like planets around, or something like the size of the Earth around solar-type stars. And a lot of the targets that they chose for Kepler is even though they were able to observe this huge field, they couldn't, like, bring all the data down. So they had to pick which stars to go look at. And they primarily, not always, but they picked a lot of things that were like the sun because those are the ones you'd think would be most interesting because we know there's planets around the sun. So that's the first place to go look. But then also had the good idea of like expanding that set and looking for, you know, planets around smaller stars because, you know, frankly, we weren't sure if there'd be enough material left around, you know, go back to the disks again, that there would not be enough material around the smaller stars to be able to form planets, right? Because if they scaled with what you'd expect for solar type stars, there probably wasn't enough left over to make anything more than like a Mercury or, you know, something like that, or, you know, like one or two planets. And I drive a Mercury, and I take offense to that. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> There's a, there is another thing that I've might affect... Volkswagen. <laughs> There's another <laughs> nuclear physics thing that is pretty related to whether life, how common it is, and one of the things we don't know is... Uh, we don't know if life, when you were asking what constitutes life, one of the things Earth life has that we don't know is necessary or not is we're pretty heavy, heavily reliant on heavy metals or what astronomers just call metal. They call it, astronomers call it anything past lithium a metal, basically. It's kind of funny. But um, uh, a lot of that doesn't there, come but... from, you don't get that from the Big Bang. The Big Bang only makes hydrogen, helium, lithium, and that's about it. You don't get carbon, you don't get oxygen, you don't get nitrogen. We obviously need that since that's what we're made out of. That all comes from a, a later processes in certain types of stars. Well, we're a third generation star, but we don't know how necessary, since we, we don't know about biogenesis, we don't know when it started. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's possible to make 
you know, uh, something without heavy metals uh, like uh, like um, uh, potassium and calcium and things that are in our our, our uh, DNA, um, phosphorus, you know, things like that that we use, but we don't know if it's a necessary thing. Right. There might be another way to do it. We don't I know. Thought, I thought the Big Bang also made a lot of money for CBS. I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> Third generation star. That's Harry Connick Jr. Jr. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hey. hey, come on, guys. Drops the mic and uh, walks out. No, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Only if his agent calls with a new movie. Casting. <laughs> like, yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's, a, that's a good point about the abundance. But we know a lot of the planets that we've discovered, actually, since they're about the same size of the Earth, and they got about the same mass of the Earth. They've got to be rocky. They got right? they got to be yeah. rocky. And if they're rocky, they probably we don't know what the composition is, obviously. But mm-hmm. the composition's got to be made out of the same elements that are on you know we can find on Earth, particularly for things that are nearby. Like forty light years isn't that far away. So if you think about being in the realm of having enrichment from supernova and things like that, systems like Trappist stuff that's in the solar neighborhood probably has similar chemical abundances than what you know to what we see in in, in the solar system. So it, uh, one of the hot topics which is not that hot a topic but one of the few things that we can still do in nuclear physics is uh there's there was a recent problem which is called the gold problem which is that um process called the r process where you make really heavy elements like gold and uranium and stuff like that which we have on earth um those used to think that they came from supernova but now we have really good computer simulations mostly uh used to look for gravity waves but now we can simulate those supernova better and they don't produce as much gold as we used to think they would and so they they still produce the you know you still get the lighter heavy metals and stuff like that but these very heavy ones uh didn't seem to do it and so now they're thinking that uh neutron star collisions might be necessary to get all the stuff we see on Earth. And I've heard somebody make the controversial claim that you can have life without these collisions, but you can't have intelligent life. The the idea being, yes, I'm serious. The idea being that you can't have civilization unless you have these very heavy metals that allow you to build tools and stuff like that. So they're claiming like there's almost two classes of heavy rocky planets you know ones that are gold rich and one that aren't and you can have life on one but not advanced life and then you can have but i don't know that seems very speculative to me mm. so that seems a little far-fetched yeah. i mean i think you, you know <laughs> yeah. we're doing a lot right now with carbon and silicon right i mean most of our you know super con- uh, semiconductor technology is based on those so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i think if there was intelligent life it's probably going to be pretty clever right hopefully as clever maybe more clever than probably us. So, more clever than so us, maybe maybe they'd be able to figure it out that's so i'm starting to really buy into the solution of the fermi paradox is that aliens get to the point where they're like i'm not talking to my neighbors you know it's just you know if i were watching earth i think i just like nah yeah, what but if they learn that we have unobtainium and yeah. then they just ruin our planet? Yeah. Right. Well, but this is kind of making me happy. You guys are finding planets. The other thing I was excited about is if there's any right, rocky planets that are Earth-like and they don't have life in it, that's kind of good, too, because that means like we just be like to the aliens, like, hey, guys, look at these. You know, <laughs> like we're... Don't, don't come for us. Come <laughs> right. for there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this idea of, you know, these things expanding and taking every planet they can it seems less likely now because there's so many in but the But it seems world. like it'd be so much trouble anyways. Why Why would they go and do that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. We're, yeah. The other planets, they don't even have to conquer first. They just go there, right? That yeah. should be an argument for, like, Independence Day when the aliens invade. All those alien invasion movies. You uh-huh. have a scientist that wait a minute, wait, you go that way. <laughs> they got no people there. You can just take their rocks. Yeah. And, and, you know, that you, would be 
you know, the arguments like going, you know, saying I ran out of sugar or coffee or something and driving out to Pomona to get it instead of going to your, you know, your next exactly. one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you have to beat up five people to get it, or you just go to the store and buy it. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, even when you come it's to just, Earth, you got to fight us. Uh, you go to those other planets, you just go pick it up. T-shirt idea? <laughs> if blank gets elected, I'm moving to Terrace 1. We could yeah. sell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. I think people are doing it already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is that, was, is that, that the motivating of the factor? Like, we gotta yeah. find another place to go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Trappist One. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Did I miss where the name uh, comes from? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. but we didn't ever say what it stood for. It's do you know? It's oh, it's so a contrived long. acronym. I, I have to look up the contrived yeah, no, acronym. It's, it's, it's so long. It's, it's good it was, though. I'm, you know, it was some Metal Olympics. I I want to like who whose Gymnastics. job is that to do like inelegant. Uh, Anagrams for oh, science phys- stuff. Physicists and astronomers love doing that. Triang- it is like scientists love puns, huh? Triangles. No, tra- col- transiting is the got to be the first word. Transiting. Yeah, let me. Reactionary. You guys say <laughs> say funny stuff, but I'm gonna look it up. All right. Griff's like triangles are math. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what went through my tiny brain. <clears throat> That's a shape. Triangles, rectangles. Uh, articles. We could probably ask Siri. I'm gonna try and ask Siri. All, all, all right. So, so no, the, yeah. the, the, the ac- <laughs> we all dropped the ball. No one came up with a good acronym. <laughs> acronym uh, is hard. The Transiting Planets and Planetesimal Small Telescope. Jeez. Oh wow! It is yeah. a small telescope, though. It's only 60 centimeters. So. Oh. What? Yeah. Wow. 60. That's nothing. That's nothing. What? Yeah. yeah. That's what we saw it with. What? Wow. And then Spitzer's only an 85 centimeter telescope. So wow! This wow! Is power I thought they were like the size of this building or something. Yeah, that's no, what I thought. No, 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 no. What is the Super. timeline of of the major telescopes that we've used? Uh, the the <laughs> James Webb is, I think, 2018. 2018 launch. Yeah. yeah. And what was what was before that? So it was Hubble and then Spitzer's 2003. Okay, and that's just we've only had two really. Big ones, a Hubble then Spitzer. No, there's and then... there's uh, one that's kind of controversial still, the 30 meter telescope. Uh, it was supposed to go to Mauna Kea. Um, it's been having some. I'm not even sure where it's at oh. right now. But there's a European version that's also very large. The VLT. The VLT. So Hubble um, was the groundbreaking one though, right? That, that well, Hubble was good for its being in space. Okay. Part. Well, wait, are, are Spitzer and Webb, I'm sorry, yeah, Spitzer and Webb, are those in space as well? Spitzer's in space, Webb is going to go into space. And these are these are gigantic advancements each each go round. Yeah, each and, time, and, yeah. Okay. So, so Webb this will is, give us atmospheric understanding. Yeah, Webb is like Spitzer on steroids, right? Okay. It's, it's, instead of being uh, 85 centimeters, it's what, I think 6.4 meters now. It's wow. gigantic. It's it has so to big unfold. that it, yeah, it folds. Yeah. So, like, the limit of Hubble was what is the diameter of a mirror that could fit inside the space shuttle. Oh. Which uh, fun story is related? Yeah, talking into the waistband, yeah. actually. Was oh, like, <laughs> right the first joke I ever wrote. Uh, but uh, space, the though, um, the. <laughs> are you all right? Where, where are you going? Yeah. Are you all right, Ken? You trying to think of people's <laughs> names? Yeah. <laughs> you talking about web? Exactly. It's yeah. like, oh shit, it's a name. Oh, Pretty Sean blanking. Carey, that's a mouthful. <laughs> the Joshua Telescope. Holds up. That's a um, lot of yeah. syllables. James Webb, yeah. that's it. James Webb wow, Space Telescope. that's the telescope. easiest name possible. <laughs> James Webb. It actually is like seven pieces or six pieces that fold together because you know, you can't just rock, launch a rocket arbitrarily large. I mean, they they have to be narrow. Arbitrarily be to... large is the name of a, another band that's going to be there. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you have to, yeah, this one's this and, actually and big, bigger is better. Yeah, and we're going to have a guest who's working on it. Yeah, bigger is so, better usually nice. for yeah. telescopes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the girthier the telescope, usually the better. Mm-hmm. So there's one other trick with the telescopes like Webb and Spitzer, right? They're infrared, so that means they study like colder objects. Things that are, you know, infrared's heat radiation, like a charcoal briquette fire produces and he, a lot of infrared radiation. And you can't radiation. do that through air, right? But you is can't that do it problem? through air, and also the Earth is a great source of infrared radiation. So you got to get that telescope away from the Earth if you want to see things that are relatively faint. So like Sp- it has to be cold it to has see to be, the... It has the... to be cold, and so you, you... So Spitzer, we took and put it away, so put in orbit around the sun. So it's in this Earth-trailing orbit. So it orbits the sun just like the Earth orbits the sun. But, for, you know, and it's getting further and further away from the Earth with time. And it has a parasol, right? There's this nice little... The web has a parasol, right. Yeah, yeah. Parasol, so Spitzer's designed so it's got a shiny side that points towards the sun, and the, the side on the back is black, so it radiates to cold space. Webb is using that design, but it's got to amp it up a little bit so because it's going to be an L2 so it can s- stay closer to the Earth because it's really expensive and you want to keep That's using it for a long time. That's a Lagrange point for people listening at home. Thanks for the translation. And then the other thing you need is it has this huge uh, sunshade, which is about the size of a tennis court, and it's got five layers that got to unfurl. Yeah, it's really, you wow. know, when it works, and it better damn work. You know? It's a big old visor. It, yeah. It, yeah it's, better damn work. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, otherwise we're not going to be able to see things like Trappist 1, and it's a lot of money, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's a huge and payoff. And it, it's harder to go fix the way the Hubble is fixed, because, I, I mean, I don't know if we can fix it, because it's, it's, it's not It's too. I think yeah. it's supposed to, I, I forget have, if it's supposed to be serviceable or not at all all new telescopes made from this point in time that go in space are supposed to be serviceable i, I mean we I don't might know what be that able means. to go there someday I, yeah. uh, it's if, further if, than any astronaut has ever gone l2 is about four times further away i think than yeah. the moon and that's where so, um uh, james webb is orbiting you say yeah that's where james Webb's going to go it, ha- it, it hasn't wow. launched yet. it's going to launch in 2018 it's a, so. the, wow. these lagrange points are are special points that are created by a combination of the earth and the sun so it's not. It's it's almost like you'd say it's in orbit of both kind of. So it slingshots it's, it's, out. Well, kind of like through a no, a no, low it, gra- it, yeah. No, they 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 kind of follow the Earth around. They say, they take the same oh, year. Oh, the orbit. Sorry, yeah. that's just coming the orbit. But they're in this nice little like semi-stable point that's between. It's simultaneously being tugged by the Earth and by the Sun at the same time. And so you can put it's like you rest the thing there, and as long it's as freaky, you, huh? Yeah. Right. So if you yeah. put the telescope out there, it can kind of it has it can stay kind of in the same place with respect to the Earth, which is good because problem with Spitzer is you get further and further away from the Earth, it gets harder to communicate. Where you know Webb, you want to keep it in full communications. It also has a really has a much bigger antenna because it's a big telescope in general. Why is it harder to communicate? Because the signal fades. You get further away. Yeah. With with Spitzer, we got enough power, but the problem with it is that actually. Because it's got that shiny side, which has the solar rays on it. Those got to face the sun for Spitzer to have power. When we downlink now, the back end, the bottom of the telescope has the antenna. We got to point that antenna to Earth. Then that means we got to pitch further away from the sun. So the solar rays don't get as efficient. They don't get as much sunlight. You hit the batteries, and you can only do that for so long because the batteries for Spitzer are set up that, you know, you can only operate on batteries uh, for not – it depends how much power you're drawn, but it's anywhere between, like – Two hours to four hours. So Better bring know. a Mophie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sean was demonstrating on his elbow. I wish you guys could see this. He was pointing to his elbow, to his hand. He yeah, was it was doing a lot of hand, hand, lot of hand <laughs> talk. And that. like a little Lego. That doesn't translate on, on audio very well. I thought so. you were throwing gang signs. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, so, I gang signs. Yeah. Yeah. Have we had success with, with orbiting stuff this far away before? Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, lot, yeah lots yeah. of things go there. Actually, there's this nice famous photo that's been going around. People like it because it's the moon going in front of the Earth. 
and it was taken from the Lagrange points. So it's what's cool about it is that because it's further away than the moon, you really get you almost get to see the 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 moon and the Earth in their normal scales. We don't normally get to see those in the same photo. So. Um, yeah, there's oh, tons tennis of... ball, basketball, right? Yeah, the... so that, that reminds some about the Trappist-1 system. I mean, whether it has an atmosphere or not, if you actually got out there, got on one of the planets, and you're on the night side, right, because it's got one side day, one side night, you look up in the sky, some of the planets, depends on the time of your year, which would be pretty short like we talked about, because those planets are whizzing around. Uh, the other <laughs> That's planets... a scientific term, by the way, whizzing. Whizzing, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm using it in the scientific That's a sense. That's term, anyway. yeah, too, yeah. by the way. That's a... <laughs> So the other planets in the in the sky, some of them would look bigger than the full moon. So yep, you have, the, like, awesome. you have yeah. like some amazing views, right? Three which, times the size, right? Yeah, yeah. And guys, yeah, check it. Up to, it depends depends which planet you're on and what time of your year. But NASA yeah, made these. I'm sorry, you're saying like if Mars flew by James Webb, it would be bigger than the moon. No, this is on Trappist. So this is again no. why it'd be great. Uh, never mind the fact that it has it might have a beach and everything like that. Another cool reason oh, that it'd be a great retirement. I mean, it's just spectacular views of these things. Spectacular. Whizzing around. NASA put out right at the. I, you, you probably didn't get to see him because you're you're doing the announcement. But at the exact moment that you were doing the announcement on NASA TV in DC, NASA you know blasted out on Twitter all these like really cool retro posters. That they, they did. Had. Do they do the travel? Yeah, they posters. did. Yeah. They released so, their travel so, like so right on time. So we showed it's, the travel like poster sci-fi. at the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a little bit <laughs> I mean, sci-fi. So many like Star Wars and like uh, whatever uh, Avatar. You like it's just like oh, there's like two Whoa. planets right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can throw a foot. Now what? And they might be blue too. Now so this star is going to be. Different. <laughs> this star is going to be different. It's going to be different shades. So, what is the color of the atmosphere and the actual star going to look like when you're actually there on the planet? It's going to have a different hue and a different, you know. Yeah, color. because Griff has red hair and he looks horrible in red lighting. So, I don't know. Yeah, if yeah so in any lighting, but so, yeah. so we were thinking a lot about this. So, like the atmospheres, we don't know yet because that's one of the things we got to figure out. First of all, do they have atmospheres? It's likely, right? We and that's why we're going to study it and we'll have a better idea about the composition. The star itself is going to be redder, but, you know, it still has a fair amount of blue light, and our eyes are sensitive to visible. So what, what we would see is we'd see something that would be a little redder, maybe a little orangey compared to the sun. Salmon color? But not not like a bright <laughs> crimson a red, except, you know, yeah, I don't know. You guys are better at colors than I am. Uh, I brought a swatch. Let's just see. There yeah, we, we go. Do, we, you can't sell the retirement package unless we answer this question. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right, uh... Sean Carey, thank you so much for what telling just, us about this. Yeah. Yeah, this was a fun, guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for coming through. Bring, bring it yeah. down thank to our you. level, too. Yeah. Uh, do you want people to follow you on social media or ask you questions or tweet at you? Or yeah, you want to just. Yeah, sure. No, they can do that. I, I, I forget what all that stuff is. You know, I got Twitter and Facebook, but no, Twitter would be good. Yeah. Okay. Seems like cool. a Snapchat. We'll, we'll tweet guy, that out. Okay. Yeah, I did one Snapchat. It didn't turn out so well. So. <laughs> I really want to see it now, but that's not a thing you can Griff, see. Griff, do you have anything to plug? You no, March moving four, on. Mar- so, uh, <laughs> get out of here, asshole. March uh, 14th, Hollywood Improv. And also, we're Gr- doing a show at UCB together. Uh, is yeah. it going to be out by then? Yes, it will. Okay, this is UCB, because of the news. This 830, is this Sunday on Sunset Boulevard. And we're going to be doing live commentary on Kevin's performance. So, <laughs> true story. Yep. Yeah. Can I come? Yeah. yeah. Come on. It's going to be fun, like sports commentators. March 14th, uh, Hollywood Improv, 8.30. All right. Um, uh, Matt, do you have anything Skip to plug? You. Skip you. <laughs> Matt, okay. Matt's over. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't need more followers. <laughs> I don't need this. I yeah. should have dates. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs>
How about um, you, Jimmy? Yes, yeah, Silicon Valley season four. Oh, that's uh, right. You you uh, tweeted out a picture of the of the, the last, last day. Scene. So I just last finished take. my last day. They still have a week left shooting. Uh, April twenty third, coming back on. You know, on the Sundays again. Ten episodes. It's gonna be really good. Um, and yeah, uh, Twitter, Instagram, funny Asian dude. You'll find me mm-hmm. there. And uh, I'm gonna be on that show with Griff. That's my plug. KP um, Hickerson on Twitter. Ask me any questions if you want. I like answering science questions, so I have no problem doing that. How about you, Matt? Um, I am at the uh, Funny Bone in Albany, April 6th through 8th, and uh, check out Monday Ponday in the app. Yeah. As I always. think uh, Owen's been doing that one a lot because that's like where he lives now. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe I'll let him do a guest spot. By <laughs> 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 yeah. the late show. Dane Cook went before you on that last show. That's amazing. The oh, improv. That yeah. Was rough. yeah, it was Dane Cook, John Mulaney, Daniel yeah. Tosh on that show, and I. Uh, that oh, rough. that's why you ran you off. Bombed? Okay, yeah, you said he ran off. I went there. last. The cop was very tired. I was like, oh, I get it. Went, like twelve or something. Yeah, after midnight. Oh Jesus, mm. yeah, it was fine. <laughs> they weren't into my medical humor. I just didn't feel. Uh, I don't know if they knew what a placebo was. In that <laughs> I'll blame the crowd. I like <laughs> this crowd's fine. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank, thank you. you so Surely you're joking.